0: in the name of Overhead Athletics Podcast, where we cover rehabilitation, biomechanics, human movement, and optimizing human performance. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dave Coggin, owner of PFA Baseball, former Major League pitcher, and owner of Pocket Path. And we're gonna ask Dave a little bit about that today on the podcast. Um, I'm gonna let Dave kind of give a little bit Of an introduction to himself here on how he started pfa um, and what led him to create the pocket path and i think that'll take us into a little bit of a a deep dive into pitching mechanics
1: sure yeah man thanks appreciate me uh, uh on the show today and uh hopefully you guys are hearing me okay and uh My kind of background, coming from um, a kind of multi-sport type of athlete, when I was in high school, I was uh, drafted in the first round at a high school uh, with the Phillies in 1995. Uh, Prior to that, a few months before that, I had committed to uh, Clemson on a football scholarship to play quarterback. Uh, So I pretty much kind of have to make a decision and and ended up making a decision to go play baseball. Did that for um, 10 years with the Phillies, uh, got to the big leagues for three. And then went into um, the Braves, Rockies, and Rays a little bit after that. So um, played about 13 years total and battled a lot of injuries, shoulder problems mostly, no elbow issues. And um, when I got done playing, I was kind of intrigued with what kind of role I needed to to do or what kind of job I wanted to get into as far as the baseball side of things or sports in general. So I opened up um, Performance Fitness for Athletes, which used to be called Prevention Fitness for Athletes because I... I uh, had a friend of mine that owned a physical therapy uh, facility who I rehab with, and I approached him with an idea of, of um, taking kids who are healthy and giving them the same kind of training with that blend of prehab, uh, rehab, and strength training and explosive power training. So kind of putting it all together, just like an athlete would uh, nowadays, pretty, pretty familiar training now, but back then it wasn't very often that guys did that. It was either you just did rehab or you did right. power training. So that was kind of the, the, the whole thing. So I kind of bridged that gap in the beginning about 12 years ago now. And um, that became a very successful formula for players. And then uh, it, it kind of grew out. And then I just started to kind of get more involved with seeing how these players weren't moving really well uh, delivery wise, mechanically wise. I saw holes and common themes that were coming up with guys getting injured and and just seeing what we could do there. So. Uh, that turned into more of me getting a little heavier into the mechanical side of things and then being more on that, that side of um, the equation where I had now trainers and other therapists that could handle the fitness side of things. So, uh, and, and I enjoyed both and both helped me learn from the other and kind of bridge the gap between what a PT looks at a guy and how a doctor looks at a guy and how a pitching coach looks at There was a huge gap in there uh, back in the day, still is pretty, pretty much, but it's closing where now people, pitching coaches are starting to kind of look at the the physiology of everything and just kind of the biomechanics of how the arm should move, how the hips should move with the arm and how the lower half should work with the hips and the arm. And then that's kind of where we got pocket, whip, and stick, uh, our three windows that we look at um, to identify any areas that we can see some leakage going on and train it. And then the most important part about that is not just understanding those three windows, and knowing what to look for but it's uh, more about throwing knowing how you sequence the coaching of it so what do you start with before you go to this thing before you go to that and that that i think was the big kind of aha moment in my um growing through a coach is just to learn how not to try to fix everything or not to uh, ignore something unless i've checked off this and that's kind of where we got the uh, the pocket whip and stick in that order and then pocket path obviously being the thing i'm doing now and the the necessity of something that needed to be made to help me uh, uh, send a guy home and be able to work on something or reach a bigger, bigger um, reach out in the, in the world uh, to be able to kind of give guys some of the instruction that we would take a lot of time and effort to help with, uh, with our hands, you know, hands-on stuff.
0: When did you guys come out with the pocket pad? It's been pretty, it's in the recent yeah. months.
1: It's yeah. really recent. Yeah. Probably about, two three months ago and we've sold out pretty fast on the uh, kit side of things so we're we're scrambling to get the uh plyo balls back in but we do have the quick kit, we call it so um really started about it started a long time ago I was I've been using a methodology of of um training guys to learn pitchers to be an infielder be a shortstop first not just be an infielder or do what most coaches have done before which is just hit ground balls to the the kid who has this terrible arm action and has difficult time throwing across the diamond or throwing strikes and taking him and realizing that, you know, the first thing a coach or a scout sees is pretty quickly they see the arm path. I mean, that's like 101, scouting 101. When they see a good a list right. of or a, a long line of players down a left field line, they're going to, before they know who he is, they're going to see, ooh, I like that arm action. That looks easy. That looks smooth. You, you see these kind of catchphrases constantly. And then, you know, if you don't have a good arm action, they usually typically put you over at second base or they put you at first base or they DH you or you just don't enjoy the game and, and you quit and you go play another sport. So being able to throw to me, uh, even at the basic form, is a super important piece because the younger you go into baseball, uh, the more variety of throwing motions there are in a bad bad way. And there's not a lot of coaching instruction at that point besides maybe just the Cobra drills and all these old school drills that you would see a parent try to help out their kids. So everybody meant well, but what ends up happening, they're ingraining some bad habits. And ironically, the kids that don't get a ton of instruction at young age, but maybe are just playing shortstop, getting hit a ground ball with their buddies or playing a lot of stick ball and things. They end up having pretty clean arm action and pretty good deliveries as they grow older. And they continue to keep that especially when they turn into pitchers where these other kids just kind of fizzle out because as we know in baseball, you you could strike out. Nobody really cares. Everybody does that you can make an error, you can, everybody does that, you're going to get another shot, you're going to have another ball hit at you, or it's going to be a while before a ball is hit at you, but the second you go out, and and you're that kid that throws, and your arm is all over the place, your head posture is all over, you look, you look like you're, you don't even know whether you should be throwing right or left, you're so, you're so off, baseball is embarrassing to you, like, it's, it's, it's literally uh, difficult for me to watch kids that do that, because I know they're gonna quit baseball, they're gonna give up on baseball, and it's an easy fix. They could have fixed that with something that gave them a a repetitive motion to to work on and a knowledge of understanding what we're trying to do. At the higher levels, we incorporate so much more with timing of the hips because the pocket really is how you put the arm in a position to let the hips time it. And that's really what what it all boils down to. The engine is the hips, We, we get that, the legs are the power and the hips all incorporate that. But a lot of times what I'll say to kids is, unless you work with a lot of kids, you'll see that just changing the hips or just changing the legs or just changing the leg kick or head posture, it, it will not change what the hand and, and ball are doing until you give them, you feed them that information, even on a basic level. And once you do that, yeah. And 100%. once you do that, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I've seen kids that, you know, cause the younger kids, they're not strong enough to do it wrong. And and that's an important thing that I've I noticed when I was coaching is that these older kids who are elite or on pro ball or on TV, um, they, they've always been stronger and more elite as an athlete to do it wrong, but still get a good result. The problem is it takes away from longevity most of the time. It takes away from consistency a lot of the time. So they have these flashes of brilliance, and then you don't hear, but hear about them. But then when you see these pitchers who, who last in the game for years and years and years and long time, uh, you see a very identifiable, identifiable way of throwing that looks very similar to all the other guys that have done that in long careers, especially in, in today's game by – um, people throwing a lot harder now. So I mean, there's, there's guys who have played for long careers, but um, they may not have been hard throwers. But nowadays, premium set with hard throwing, if you're going to throw the ball hard, you better have really clean mechanics and you better be able to sustain that. So there, in my opinion, there's, there's not too many ways to do that. There's not a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, and I watched a video um, where, I want to say you were interviewed by a TV station, I'm not sure, um, where you kind of talked about the evolution of how you came to uh the conclusions that you came to in terms of where the arm needs to be the sequencing of the arm what you've now coined as the pocket path we have different terminology here at the oai but we're looking at a lot of the same things and it's kind of interesting how you came to that we we always focused on the arthrology of the joint how does the joint move where is the joint in its safest position and then what What does the athlete actually do when they throw? So we first look at, okay, we've got these certain things that need to happen. The joint has to be in these positions to allow it to be stable. And then we said, all right, let's look at what guys do that are, like you said, the Nolan Ryans, the guys that the role is Chapman's the guys that throw really hard, but have been around for a long period of time. Even the guys that were successful, maybe they were the Greg Maddox's of the world. And then you say, what do they do? That allows them to be successful. And it's very interesting when the joint mechanics match up with what these elite guys do. So we kind of started with the, the joint mechanics and the injury perspective, going in the cadaver lab and actually jerking around shoulders and elbows and seeing where does the medial elbow gap, where does the, the shoulder get into a position where the anterior capsule or the labrum is excessively sheared or tensile loaded. You went from it sounds like the guys, Hey, here are the guys that have been most successful. What allows them to do it? And we've come to similar conclusions because I remember we watched, uh, Joe Kelly a few years back, Ed, who was my mentor. Uh, now we're, we were just looking at at different pictures and he's like, have you seen Joe Kelly recently? His arm actions totally changed. So then I go online and I went on Twitter and I found your video and he was like, is that the guy that worked with him? I'm like, I don't know. he put up a video. And uh, he's like, "Well, whoever's working with them did something right." <laughs> he didn't say right, that a whole
1: yeah. lot, so, right. well, so that kind of followed well, you. And, yeah, it's um, it, it's kind of like I'm I'm a big, I mean I'm I'm blessed with some common sense I think, and and no ego. So, um, I think with the, with that, I, I just kind of try to strip away, and not make it too difficult on me. Like I, um, you said we came to the same uh, conclusion, which, you know, you did it and. Scientifically and biomechanically, and in cadavers, and all the things that that are awesome. Because I just kind of had a gut feeling of going, you know, I know everybody who who has a sore arm, just not injured, but just sore. They all get closer to center. They all tighten up. They just do that. That's just kind of natural stuff. So, mm-hmm. and then taking it to that other level, everybody kind of thinks that there's so many different ways. Because if you went to a spring training game day one, and you went to all spring training games. And you saw so many pictures because everybody's throwing one inning one inning one inning so you get to see a ton of them and and then at the end of the day we look i look at you and i go what did you see that we could teach all these guys and we could become big leaguers too and it would be like i have no idea i mean that's my god i saw guys throwing from long arms short arms gloves here gloves here head postures here short tall lefty righty sidearm all these different things and i'd say yeah you're right and i was thinking the same way i was like how do we find some sort of common denominator how do we narrow this down so what I did first, which was a great decision on my part, I think, because I said, you know what, let's get rid of relievers. If you'll ask you why, there's some great relievers and longevity and all these things. I said, well, I'm just doing it because I need to, I need to do something to clear. And if we all think about baseball, you become a reliever rarely for positive reasons somewhere in baseball. Like there's no coach out there or minor league coordinator or high school coach or college coach that says to a guy, man, son, you throw four pitches for strikes. You get stronger as the game goes. You get righties out just like you get lefties out. You are never injured. And I think you'd be a wonderful reliever. Like <laughs> nobody says that. So like those yeah. traits are traits of a starter who we all want to be. We all want to make $300 million. And we all want to be a starter. So the reliever though is someone that, hey, you know what? Or used to be a starter. And they say, you know what? You don't get righties out but you do get lefties out really great so it's going to make you a specialist or vice versa or you get the first time through the line of amazing or you're you know you, you break down later in the season so those are all negative reasons but baseball doesn't have to like correct that they just go and put you in a different position so they can't use you anymore because they have free agents they have recruits they have the next class they have so many different ways to to replace you so to me I was always like okay well let's look at starters well then if you have the five starters on a team, if it's your favorite team, you might know all five, but if it's most likely not your favorite team, you may know only the one and two guy. You're not I'm gonna know the three, four, five guy, cause those guys are sort of bubbling and going back to the in minor leagues or they're going back to being a reliever or they're getting injured. So the reason why the number one and two guys make all the money is because they longevity. They've stayed healthy at a high clip or they get injured, they come back and they stay at a high clip. So when I looked at that, I was like, wow, this is so much easier now. Now I only have to look at a very a handful of pitchers throughout the years. And when I did that, started to see that these guys didn't look that different in certain windows. And that's right. why I said, well, I, I, why don't I teach that? <laughs> because instead of just go, you know what? You move like crap, but I think if I got you to do this, you can at least throw some more stripes. Like that wasn't good enough to me. I was thinking like, no, we can we can change these kids and give them the habits and then give them the knowledge. And all of a sudden, bam. And it wasn't as hard as people think. People. Uh, oftentimes when I'm doing this in the beginning, they're like, yeah, you can't change arm action. It's, it's just yeah. the way it is, you know, and it's so untrue. And we would do all these things. And then it, that's where, where uh, my, one of my lessons is, uh, this is part of my business part of the story about the pocket path, which is, well, first of all, the pocket is called the pocket path because I literally had a ball in my front pocket. And these guys were long tossing of my pro guys and they threw a ball over it, when it went under a fence so they didn't have a ball. So I had a ball in my pocket. They're out there by 200 feet. And I just quickly just grabbed it and threw it from my pocket, my front pocket. And when I did that, I realized that the only way I could take it out of my pocket was one way. I had to take it out this way and throw the ball and it took off and it carried really well. And they're like, what the heck? You know, if we just took 20 minutes to throw this far and you just threw it in one throw without warming up. I don't recommend that, but it was just a, a concept to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. If I, you know, you can, you can do it that way. And, and it really trains the, the type of like an infielder taking the ball out of his glove. He takes the ball out of his glove with his elbow and his hips time up and a, an outfielder takes the ball out with his hand and he gets long and gets, he misses and, and gets issues. And then a the pitcher, if he does more of the latter, he's going to have a lot of issues. So then I had a, a one of my parents came, uh, work with this new kid. Kid was a really talented, young kid, only about seventh, maybe grade. And I'm talking to him about my kind of style, my methodology and, and the dad, you could tell is really listening in and you could tell he's in good shape and he's, he played probably baseball somewhere. And he goes after the lesson, he goes, man, that all made a whole lot of sense. Can you give me a pitching lesson? I'm like, you, <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> 60 years old. He's like, yeah, no, I still play. I, I played in Japan when I was um, uh, younger. I still play in these 60 uh, year old uh, uh, tournaments and things. And I was like, oh, wow!" so sure enough, he starts improving and his arms feeling great. And a couple months later, he goes to me and he says, what do you think um, we need to make, if you thought about making something that, that these kids can, can wear or bring home or do something to work on this. Cause he went to a practice, a literally practice and you tell one kid how to do it correct. And we've all been in this position, right? And you go, good, you got it. And then you go over to the next kid and then you look back and he's doing it terrible, you know, just like he was before. So these kids needed a lot more reps. So he showed a design, a drawing of a, of a shirt that had pockets sewn into it. And I was like, oh, wow, that could actually work. And uh, we then I thought, oh, what, what about like a, a sleeve that we could uh, put on and detach, kind of like a, a quarterback has that belt in front to keep his hands warm. Mm-hmm. So in my quarterback days, I just remembered that and I was thinking, yeah, you could do that. And man, once we started utilizing that, it was insane how quickly the light bulb or the feel or the knowledge or understanding of it was like instantaneously. And the feedback has been incredible for the last like three months of us launching this out. Because uh, I was worried I was I made some nice detailed drills and videos that go with it. But still, I'm not right there next to them. So right to see and hear, you know, that first couple of weeks of giving it out to a little league dad or a major leaguer or a a pitching coordinator all these people and then their feedback going oh my god this is this game changer this made such a huge difference and i was like oh man okay good because i was worried that
0: that's that's the tough part of it about it because kids are the especially the young kids the seventh graders the sixth graders the masters of compensation so you're like sitting there who knows how these kids are going to do it? You know, maybe they're going to step with the wrong foot. I mean, I can't tell you how many times yeah. I've put a guy in a position that's injured and I just put him here. You know, he's throwing at a return to throw program. I just have him go from here and then he goes yeah. and steps with the back foot or something. I'm like, well, where did this come from? Exactly. So it's it's oh, always it's like, uh, interesting. Well,
1: the distances, short distances can really hide a lot of flaws because mm-hmm. travel ball coach, little league coach, they're just seeing success you know, he's getting outs, he's throwing strikes, great job, move on to the next coach, you're done with me, I got this other group, so, like, it's it's, it's hard for athletes to to really get uh, what they should be getting, which is good instruction, or, or consistent instruction, or, or, hey, you're throwing good, you're throwing strikes, you're, I know you're the best player on the team, but that's not going to play at 54 feet, and at 60 feet, and here's why, it's not just me saying it, I'm just saying, like, hey, look, this is not going to work, you know, and then with, with the description and understanding of it is if you're good at that that's what really gets them all to understand oh i i trust you i, I see what you're saying this is this is why mm-hmm. it's not just me like hey there's too much out there like hey i'm a i played in the big leagues so you should te- you should you should listen to me i mm-hmm. say my first sentence to players when they come in after we do when we're doing our eval is hey listen i played in the big leagues but i'm going to tell you don't listen to me because of what i did listen to me but what i'm going to tell you right now and if it makes sense to you it's going to work for you. If it doesn't make sense to you, then you, no problem. We can, we, you go another way, but i I just think I've done it enough times to, to keep it very simple, keep it very common sense about it. And it really is taking away the pitching side of it, bringing it to just a foundational throw better. Okay. Now you're doing that a lot better. Let's now start to talk about how you pitch and, you know, Twitter, I try to stay away from Twitter as much as I can, because it's, it's a, it's a nasty place. And, uh, yes. yeah. anytime you put anything on there, they just take it for what it is right there instead of like a whole view of everything. So it gets kind of tricky. So anyway, it's, it's been fun to see how even Twitter has been, uh, been nice to me on, on those, uh, on, on seeing how this thing could work. Cause it really is visual. It sells itself. It really is. It's such one of those things that I've heard a, a hundred times from scouts and from, uh, former coaches of mine. And they all say the same thing. As soon as they see it once they go, Oh my God, why didn't I think of that? That's so simple. And it really is, but that's the beauty of some things is, is kids need simple, and they need to repeat it all the time, and then you can get geeky. We have all the geeky stuff here. We have the track bands. We have uh, PTs. We have everything that will break down why someone's you know, tight in this position or, or, or not in that position correctly, but a lot of times, they haven't figured out there's a first step before you get to that that might make even bigger differences. Then you attack that stuff, and now it's a lot easier, and everybody works together then.
0: Well, one of the beauties of it, and I haven't tried it. I've just watched everyone do it. I know they sold out pretty quick. I went on there like two weeks after I saw they were out there. So we're gonna we're gonna try it out at our facility too, and I'm expecting yeah, to see to the same things. But one of the one of the things that I love about it, and I had a podcast with uh, Randy Sullivan from Florida Baseball Ranch um, yeah. maybe a couple months back, and we talked about what the athletes focused on. Is it internal? Is there an internal focus an external focus? Um, basically whether the athlete has some sort of cognitive thought that they're basically required to go through in order to complete a throw in such a manner that you want them to complete it. Do they have to think about this very specific thing every time they throw in order to make their throw, look the way that it needs to look or move the way that it needs to move? Or are they able to move an authentic manner where They do it subconsciously without thinking about it and it happens and it sequences in the correct manner. And the nice thing about something like what you've put together is athlete doesn't have to think, oh, I got to step two inches to the left or I got to lift my elbow higher or I got to bring the ball in closer to my head or whatever. They can just sit there and go. And as long as they initiate the throw in the right way, they're probably going to finish the throw and move through the acceleration phase in the proper manner. The problem is when all these kids get in there and they get, I see it a lot in in my injured guys. And with injured guys, it's tough um, because that's maybe 50% of what we see. It's tough because they can only throw at a certain percent exertion. Sometimes there's, I can't risk at all them ending up in the wrong position. There's no time for them to self-organize as many people say, and to, um, the right position. So a lot of times early on, it's it's very structured. Hey, you start from this position, you go. Now you bring the ball from here to this position, and you go. Yep. And then they get stuck in that. Maybe now they're three, four weeks into the process, and we can kind of migrate away from that. And, and certain athletes are more analytical, or just more cognitively focused on things. Then they get kind of stuck in that, and that. That's where I could really see your product working well is these guys that are, hey, I'm four or five weeks into my return to throw program, maybe six weeks in. Now I'm going away from having to think about every single thing I do and just let it happen.
1: Well, um, yeah, you nailed it and, and I'll, I'll be really excited to hear your feedback using it on injured players because I really feel that the physical therapy um, world should have this in every single one of them if they deal with anybody that's an overhead thrower because it is it's such a useful way to take an athlete that can't throw yet, but needs to do some dry work and but needs to also understand it's a kinetic chain and it's a flow. And this can create that flow without putting stress on you. And now you're a way ahead of the game. Because I mean, I had two shoulder surgeries, So I know what it's like to to have to pick that baseball up for the first week of throwing or the first day or even all the way through. So I've I've seen people never come back from their, their surgeries because of not knowing how they used to throw or how they should throw and they just create these just awful compensated movements that they feel is protecting their arm and by the time that they've um, realized it's not going to work for them they can't fix it it's already past that that if if earlier in the stages of throwing you can get your arm working in sync with your body and your hips and your positions it's Mm -hmm. massive that's really massive and i think that's something that's I think exciting because we have had some PTs and some sports doctors who have gotten them, and then they've said, "This is incredible for us. This is great." And I really think that that's what it's needed for. It's right there.
0: Yeah, that that seems, and it. I mean, it's one thing I always talk about injury, but really, the best time to improve your throwing mechanics is before you get injured. And I can tell you that from personal experience, and I'm sure you could say the same thing. But 100% you know, it's, it's tough with the injured guys because of the situation they're in, but really the guys that are going to benefit the most are the guys that are healthy before they get injured, because, you know, there's certain things that we see in the injured athletes. And it's generally the same thing that we see in the guys that are plateaued. Generally, when I, when I get athletes who are plateaued in their velocity, they're, they're not reaching the levels that they need to reach. They're generally that 15, 16 year old kid. Who's now Hey, I played freshman baseball or, or JV baseball, or maybe even made varsity. And now I'm at 60 foot, 90 foot, and I'm trying to utilize some of the things that allowed me to be successful at 50, 70 or whatever it is. And I'm throwing in such a way that, yeah, I I was able to be successful, stronger, maybe faster than the rest of these kids. And now I'm at a point where, you know, these kids are catching up to me physically maybe I reached puberty early, whatever. And still use utilizing some of the same things that, hey, I I basically limped through these younger guy levels. And now I'm stuck at a point where I've thrown 75 miles an hour for two, two and a half or three years. And it's easy to see when they throw why they're plateaued at that level. And it's not necessarily because they're not physically strong enough. And that's, I think been done to death is like, Hey, you need to get, you know, you're too weak. You know, you just need to squat more. You need to drive with the legs harder. And it's like, well, great. You can drive with the legs as hard as you want, but if you don't transfer any of that energy or you transfer such a small percentage of the energy to where it needs to go, you're never going to throw as hard as you possibly can.
1: Yeah. Technique and skill acquisition has been such a, I mean, so far behind in baseball uh, because of just the mentality of most coaches out there uh that it takes work it really takes a lot of work as a coach to to make something change um because it's frustrating time too it could be a curve where you're gonna have to you're gonna have to kind of struggle a little bit but on the outside of it you're gonna get good now name me another sport that wouldn't look at somebody and go man if you can move a little better uh we're gonna you're gonna enhance your track speed so you're a track runner and you're running your hands are out here like this but you're fast your coach isn't gonna go. Wow, he's already pretty fast. Let's not change that. No, he's gonna go. Wow, he's fast like that. Wait till we get him to start working inside and start to do the things. He's 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 gonna be so much quicker. A weight room, you're gonna work on technique before you do a squat before you have them load a bunch of weight. Swimmers are gonna learn how to swim with better technique before they think about getting faster. Like it's just baseball is like. Oh wow, you have a you hide the ball well. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey you. Uh, yeah. I could use you over here for this. They don't even like think of fixing you. They just go. Wow, don't lose that. I can use that for my my uh gets my lefties you know when and the kid's gonna be like oh great you're gonna be good for about that year useful for him and then as soon as the season you know you get older everybody gets stronger you're you're pretty much out and you're so far behind the eight ball you're done so to me it's like get them younger to move better and then we can see it it's kind of funny because like in the middle not a lot of people touch the players in the middle uh, or think like they need to adjust but You know, if you get to the big leagues, you'll see pitchers, really good high level pitchers who have changed quite a bit. You just haven't noticed it, Mm -hmm. but they have a good instinct about like why they need to change and and it's all about longevity. It's all about playing that baseball for a long time. And a young kid, you got time to change. This is your guy you want to get right now. He hasn't had any habits yet. Make his habits solid and and make him have that foundation. And now you don't have to mess around, but then you get anywhere in the middle of those windows There's too much noise. There's so much noise and so many things going on that it's hard to have an established voice. I get it all the time where, you know, a coach, high school coach will say like, oh, man, you know, don't go over there because he just teaches one way. Um, Yeah. Well, that's a pretty damn good way to do it, first of all. And secondly, you have 20 other pitchers on your team that I don't work with. If I work with one guy or two guys, you'll be okay. You can teach them all the different ways you want on those guys allow these guys to learn that way. But it just boils down to all the noise and all the insecurity that happens at certain levels that kids get thrown in the middle of that. And they're the ones that get hurt in the long run. And it's unfortunate to see. And it it kind of gives me the motivation though to to push hard and to create things like I have and and try to get it out to as many people as I can. That way they can work on it on their own without anybody seeing what they're doing or or how they're doing it and just be able to do it in their room, do it in their garage, just like a hitter would. but now it's a pitcher being able to take dry reps in their in their basement or uh, in their garage or in their room and then come out of it in the winter after winter time or after a break time and be like wow what'd you do he looks so much different and I've seen this so many times over the last 10 years doing it that it's exciting to see now uh, parents and kids telling me what's happening in big leaguers quite honestly (laughs) there's some there's some huge names in the big leagues um, that have been using these techniques not just Joe Kelly and Pete Fairbanks and some of the the names that you've heard and attached to me, but there's a lot of them that I haven't talked about or I can't talk about that are doing it. And it's it's really kind of cool to see kind of the baseball shifts going on and understanding the the value of some of these things that need to have happen.
0: Well, one of the most narrow-sighted viewpoints is, oh, you're teaching them all in, in one way. Now I've watched a lot of your videos online and I can't describe two guys that throw exactly the same out of anyone. And it's the same, same way with us. I've heard the same thing. It's like, well, they teach them all to throw the same way. It's like, no, I use a few drills consistently among guys, but every guy that does those things is working on something slightly different and they're never going to throw the same way because they're not built the same way. They've, not learn to throw yep. the same way from a young age. One guy is maybe a little more flexible here, a little stronger here. They're all going to throw differently. Yep. There's some key things that they need to do in a similar fashion to allow them to have longevity, be durable, and then ultimately realize their full potential in terms of velocity, in terms of spin rate, which people don't talk about in terms of mechanics, which is very, very important. And then yep. you have these guys and these these coaches or or the even these parents that that come forward with this sort of and I call it a narrow-sighted viewpoint but really they're not looking at throwing in the in the fashion that you've looked at it or in the fashion that I've looked at it they look at the throw and they say well that guy does this different that guy does this different than this guy they're looking at what's different among pitchers rather than yeah. what are the similar things that allowed these guys to be successful and you talk about your windows and we we use the phrase phases of the throw or phase specificity what happens at this phase this phase and this phase that are similar among all of these elite level throwers maybe not identical but similar that allows them to be successful
1: yeah uh, that's a good way to say it um i like that i'm going to steal that look at the ways that they do the things similar not the ones that do differently i like that yeah no no doubt about it There's, there's when you when you've done enough and you worked around enough players and i think that's our strength here is that we see so many players from all ages rather than me just um, only catering to the highest of the high level. I think you become less uh, good at what you do because your eyes start to be tricked and fooled. rather than when you go see a kid that's just not strong enough to do something wrong and you just do something subtle like start with an arm path and you see a huge difference in his performance just like that. Now you know as a coach that there's going to be more things you got to get doing but this first thing that you did just accomplished a ton of things and it's the first part of the chain then you move to some of these other parts but i want to always see how much better can i get them if i see that window so it's just checklists. you know you just check that. okay that looks good all right let's move to that and then okay let's get to that one there nothing nothing's more important than the other uh as far as like you know you're only as strong as your weakest link but what's most important i find is starting with the right thing and then teaching the next thing even though you may have to wait, even though you you see it, you go. You know, there's often times where I'm working on a kid, and I know his. I know this kid. I've worked with him for months, and his progress has been crazy great. And then a coach comes in, or someone who kind of knows some baseball, and he looks, he goes, "Oh God, you need you need to fix that. He's pitching across his body, you know." And I'm like, "I get that, you know." In my mind, I'm like, "Thank yeah. you, appreciate that." But uh, or on Twitter or Instagram, it's like, "Oh, fixed his knee and uh, shin angle, and uh, what a difference." But they don't know. That's a snapshot. You don't understand how far he's come. And if I take his mind off that, he's going to go right back to old habits. And what to if do he that. has
0: no hip? What if he has no hip rotation? They don't know. I Tons mean, that's stuff. the problem. Right. It's like right. this guy might have uh, hip impingement. He has no hip rotation. And this guy right here may have, he may have improved by 15 degrees, but he's still working on his hamstring flexibility. He can't get his chest forward in the throw because He's lived in a position where he doesn't have any hamstring flexibility, but that's not there. That's why I
1: I just, I just say, thank you. (laughs) I just say, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't go into the, uh, the the stream of nothingness that every guru likes to get into. And it's just, I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) not enough characters to, uh, to be able to fix this one.
0: Yeah. I got a quick question for you though. Do you guys work with many softball players?
1: Uh, interestingly, no, we don't. Um, I definitely am going to um, we're partnering with someone who does a lot of good softball stuff here uh, because the pocket path is going to be coming out with softball and it would be out already right now, but our supplier messed up some, uh, some uh, sizing. So we are uh, waiting to launch, but once we launch that, I feel like that is a massive place where this could be uh, really instrumental in, in training how they throw. And I, I have my theories on why, you know softball has such odd throwing. because I, I went i have a my daughter has a soccer practice at this field and, and i right behind me is a softball practice and i look over and i just cringe at the the throwing that i'm seeing over there and um they're just an absolute train wreck and the girls that can throw right they look amazing and mm-hmm. that's just because they look like they're sequins they're just like a pocket pad that's what they that's what they're doing but then you have these other girls that are just taking the ball out fast. They hold it here and they rattle it, they shake it. They do all kinds of things. And crazy enough, I've, I've, I have a hitting coach in here that had his daughter at a softball um, team, travel ball team out here locally. And the, the coach was having them. All right. The girls are all down the line, put the ball up, figure eight, get some rhythm and throw. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> so, uh, and then say, they do you, that.
0: Then they go like this, and their arm has that huge thing They go way back, and then yeah, there's the big hit. And I,
1: and I, my theory on it is that you know, dad's never played girl softball for one, and dad's you know with their daughter going, oh god, what do I do here? Um, let me look up. Uh, oh, I, oh, I know. I, I, I picture what's the iconic logo for softball? It's always that that softball girl, right? That looks like this, but they don't yep. realize that's a pitcher. That's the pitcher doing this, and that's yeah. part of pitching because she's she's going to come back around that way. But I think what everybody thinks is you start there every softball girl, and then you throw from there. And yikes, bad stuff. So um, yeah, so we do. We have worked with um, a handful of softball girls; they've done amazingly well. Uh, but we just never have um, really pushed it or marketed it. Uh, we will once we get the pocket pass softball going. But um, yeah, for sure ask, they
0: need I ask because because of that specifically which is softball players play with a ball that's heavier and they play, they start at a young age with this heavy ball. You see that some have to sequence their throw in a efficient manner to make the ball go in the intended direction at a sufficient mm. speed. And then you have the rest of the girls who maybe have to throw it in a specific manner as well as think about what the coach has told them to do. And then it results in a really peculiar throw. And I, I tell. The softball players that come in, most of the softball players I see are injured softball players. I would say 90% of the softball players I see, they started with me as a result Mm -hmm. of an injury. And Mm -hmm. it's always one of two peculiar things they do in the throw. And I would say 75% of them end up in this position and end up going through an acceleration phase where their elbow gets really, really high. And then right at the end, they kind of push the ball, like tricep push it. And part of it, I think is due to drills just like that. And then. Maybe they're not strong enough. Like baseball players, I see so much variation in the way they throw because the ball's much lighter relative to their strength, and so they're able to compensate in other manners. Whereas the softball players, they're trying to do what coach told them, which may work for one out of twenty girls, and you're doing it on twenty girls. Well, usually,
1: yeah, and it's like it's usually the the girl who is your best thrower, right? She's probably playing shortstop, so her five minutes of instruction on the left field line, maybe less it doesn't doesn't it gets trumped by the ground balls that she's getting hit throwing the ball to second throwing to first throwing the third so she's going to end up getting so much better work without coaching because she has to be efficient fast and accurate just being an infielder without coaching without thinking and then so she doesn't barely digest by any of it that she's supposed to do these drills over here yeah that's fine i'll do that but she instinctually knows that i need to make these throws like this and my body doesn't even have to think it does these but these other girls unfortunately you know, probably have to spend more time working on that. And the outfielders and some of these other positions, and unfortunately, it's it's a. I mean, it's it's bad. It's one of the even at college. I have a, a Alan Jager, um, good friend of mine. he's he, he goes, man, Dave. You, if you get this to the softball world, even at the D1 level, I was just at a major Division One national title, and I could not believe how bad the throwing was all across the board. And I was like, man. That's pretty. Pretty. That's pretty. That's saying something when, when you're talking about that guy talking about this certain program and saying that they yep. were all terrible. <laughs> told you were and they may get away get with that. it
0: because of the, sh- especially the infielders. Often, like Short the third shot. baseman, even second baseman, they get away with it because of the distance. I'm guessing. Sure. And the yeah, outfielders yeah. is is where it, I think it's more of a performance limiting factor than anything for you know besides maybe hitting. But in terms of yeah. the field for these softball players especially is the throwing capacity well, they're throwing in
1: the, yeah, the, the field short which uh, hides the actual result the problem is is these girls get stronger throwing poorly as, you, as you're seeing in your in your therapy is that they're going to hurt themselves because of the bad throw. they may yep. they might be able to throw the ball accurately and make the plays The problem isn't that. The problem is that they're putting more stress on their arm as they get stronger and throw harder to those bases. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like where the, where that missing link can happen if they learn how to throw better.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see, um, what happens with your pocket path. I'm excited to give it a try myself with a lot of my athletes, especially some of these guys that come in college guy, they come in, maybe I see them two, three times and then they're off college and they're sending me videos or they're like what can I do you know I still am having this problem or you know these things have improved but not this one and giving them some way to do it in a results oriented fashion or a knowledge of results fashion is is uh, something that I'm always interested in so I look forward to seeing that where can people find you Online, uh,
1: okay. So, the uh, the pocket path is uh, pocketpath.com. So, www.pocketpath.com. Uh, right now, we're we're waiting for the, the full kits to get there, but we have the quick kit. The quick kit is the belt and sleeve, comes with videos, drills, programs. So, that's the really neat part of it, anyway. Um, the other kit part, the, the full part, has the uh, the weighted balls that come with it, um, the five ounce one. So Probably look for about two weeks before those things are probably restocked, so they can get on, get their hands though right now on the quick hit and get those shoot, shoot out today. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well at, at PFA Baseball One, or just search Dave Coggin. And you can also follow us on Pocket Path uh, on Instagram as well and Twitter. It's uh, Dave Coggin PFA Baseball. So find us there. I put out a lot of content. You can hashtag Dave Coggin videos if you're ever bored and want to see some videos that I've done in the past. And uh, that's, that's where we'll find us and hopefully we can help uh, out and answer as many questions we can and help those arms stay healthy.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. I think this was awesome. Appreciate it.
1: Cool. I appreciate it, All right. Thanks again.
0: Yep.